into them. Tommy Woods winced and motioned for him to speak more gently. I need you, Saiway. Some bastards have my rose. Chato's face froze as he heard Lubeck call him brother in Oglala Sioux, followed by the awful recitation of the kidnapping. It was so unlike Lubeck's usual full-of-life voice. Chato touched his shirt. Under it, on a tiny silver chain, was a small, odd-shaped stone, a tungkan. Lubeck's ancestry was of the Oglala branch of Sioux, those led by Crazy Horse so long ago. When Lubeck and Chato were in their teens, they had held their own blood brother sacrament, combined with a stone-singing ceremony they made up. They dedicated themselves to the ways of the Oglala Sioux, of the people, that they were related to all animals, all plants, all living things, and all with them. Mitakuyi Oyasin was the Oglala statement, I am related to all living things. Mitakuyi Oyasin. It became theirs, like a secret code. What do you want me to do, hoss? Chato said. I can call Captain Saxon, my old boss. Make sure he puts the whole team on it. Lubeck responded that actually Captain Saxon would be calling Chato to formally request his help in the kidnapping. He would be hired as a private investigator working with the Denver police, even though he had retired as a detective in the Major Case Squad four years ago. Chato stared at the small computer phone in his fist. He looked up and forced himself to wave and smile at a couple from Chicago headed his way from the big lodgepole-framed building that contained the lobby, dining, and activity rooms and all of the regular hotel rooms. Around it, in a pattern, understood only by the original owner, were individual cabins of various sizes, with rough-cut lodgepole exteriors and stone chimneys. Typical of the former detective, he studied every aspect of the ranch before buying it, until he knew how it could work well. He returned to the phone. Hoss, that doesn't make any sense. The hell it doesn't. You're the best they ever had. Lubeck's voice was strained. You've got to do it, for Rose's sake. I'm afraid they're gonna stop that. Have you heard from the kidnappers? Have any of the husbands? Chato spoke through clenched teeth, trying not to allow the images of his own wife's terrible death slither back into his consciousness. I haven't. Two have, though. Both said it sounded like some southern guy, you know, with a real deep accent. Lubeck's voice was soft, too soft. Saxon and his men have already come and gone. Started with Holren's house, then ours. They're checking out the houses of all the wives. Got wiretaps on all our phones, or said they're going to. Tapped into our computers and cell phones, too, all that stuff. Already been through our computers for whatever. You realize they're listening to this conversation. Chato watched the couple, held his hand over the phone, and told Woods to see if they needed help. No, not this one. I'm calling from my neighbor's phone. You know, Willard Hickel. Got that horse ranch next to mine? 
Has that big sorrel you like? Sure. If, if I hadn't been with the damn roundup this morning, this wouldn't have happened. Lubeck's voice was strained, fighting to stay calm. Don't blame yourself, hoss. You were doing your job. Oh, hell, Roan. They don't need me anymore. I just love to be there. Lubeck talked for almost ten minutes straight, with Chato responding only with an occasional uh-huh. Finally, he broke in. Hoss, I'll drive in, right now. We can go over this, and I'll do what I can. But you won't tell Captain What's-His-Name that you and I talked, will you? They're already freaked out about this, about you being hired to help them. Lubeck's voice had the hint of a smile. Hell, I could care less how they feel. This is